This is the Read Your Bible Podcast, the daily podcast designed to help you understand and apply the scriptures. Nothing will grow your relationship with Jesus Christ more than studying the Bible for yourself. I'm your host, Drew Tankersley, and for the next few moments, I want to invite you to join me as we dive into God's Word together. We'll ask God to help us see what He wants us to see so that we can be who He wants us to be. Have you ever watched two people dating who plan to be married and you think to yourself, well, that'll never work out? Somehow, we can intuitively judge the quality of a couple's relationship and wonder about the viability of a lifetime of commitment and joy and tranquility together. Well, in Judges 14, when Samson's father does this, He is immediately rebuffed as the stubborn and insolent judge has his mind made up that this is the woman he's going to marry. But even though his decisions would get him in trouble, we learn something about the purposes of God in this story that makes Samson's foolish resolve resound to revenge and victory. Look with me, if you would, please, in the first four verses of Judges 14. Samson went down to Timnah and saw a young Philistine woman there. He went back and told his father and his mother, I have seen a young Philistine woman in Timnah. Now, get her for me as a wife. But his father and mother said to him, Can't you find a young woman among your relatives or among any of our people? Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines for a wife? But Samson told his father, Get her for me. She's the right one for me. Now his father and mother did not know that this was from the Lord, who wanted the Philistines to provide an opportunity for a confrontation, because at that time the Philistines were ruling Israel. Now one of the themes of the book of Judges is how God can use even the imperfect to exact perfect deliverance for his people. This divine paradox has been seen over and over and over again. Ehud was left-handed in a world where the power rested in the right hand. Deborah was a woman leading troops into battle. Gideon was a fearful and diminutive warrior who came from the smallest tribe and the lowest family. Repeatedly, with every judge, it seemed as if God was reminding them that victory was not in their strength or their abilities. This had been the curtain call for both Moses and Joshua as they passed from this life. They would both intercede with the people, telling them to obey the Lord and His commands and to love and serve Him alone. God had told Joshua repeatedly that his success would be predicated on simple obedience. It was not in military might or in organizational acumen or superior battle tactics. None of that would win the day. Their victory was rooted in simple compliance. And God meant to show this people how that simple compliance could bring them victory in spite of all of the deficiencies of each of these judges. But the people had drifted so far from this repeatedly doing what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. Rather than driving out the nations before them as the Lord had commanded, instead they settled, intermarrying with the nations around them, eventually being led into idolatry. 
these nations would subsequently become the bane of their existence and much to their scorn afflict the people of God who God had brought them into this land to find peace and prosperity. It is in this context that these stories are set, and we need to remember that. The cycle of sin and judgment and repentance and deliverance, it's seen throughout this book over and over and over again. This spiral of history in Judges just continues to grow worse and worse. Even the Judges are more minor, less valiant, and increasingly vain. Such is the case with Samson. Here's a man with superior strength when the Lord comes upon him. He's to be a Nazarite, clean before the Lord, and set apart for God's purposes. And yet even this deliverer is haunted by deception and pride and rebellion. This chapter unveils that rebellion in two ways. And yet it teaches us one powerful truth, a truth from which we should draw both courage and encouragement. First, the rebellion. We learn that Samson is insistent on doing the very thing that Moses and Joshua warned the people not to do, namely intermarry with the land's inhabitants. The chapter begins with Samson's wandering eye leading him to marry a Philistine. And when his father gently tries to encourage Sam to find greener pastures among his people, he is rebuffed immediately. Samson is going to do this with or without his father's blessing. This supposed hero is really a dissident scoundrel. Far from perfect, he's downright rebellious. He's also eating honey from the carcass of a lion and boasting about it to the Philistines. This was a clear violation of the Levitical law that expressly prohibited eating things that defile and made the individual unclean. Touching a dead carcass, let alone eating from it, were both violations of God's law. And yet Samson seems to disregard God's directives here altogether. So where is this story going? It seems as if it's all spiraling out of control, going from bad to worse. Surely there's some redeeming application for us through this peculiar tale. Now this, this is to be the judge that delivers Israel. Maybe God had not done his homework in selecting this hero. But what's really going on here? Well, we might be tempted to question God's appointment of such a train wreck of a leader, except for a phrase in verse 4, which curiously reads, Now his father and mother did not know this was from the Lord, who wanted the Philistines to provide an opportunity for a confrontation. Now this, this is an astounding statement that teaches us a powerful truth. God is not above using a broken man to accomplish divine purposes. God was willing to use even the sin and rebellion of Samson as an occasion to bring about the people's deliverance. While this may seem counterintuitive at first, just consider how often God has worked through brand, man's brokenness. Abraham. Jacob, Joseph's brothers, Rahab, all of these stories remind us that God is not above getting his hands dirty to work in the lives of those he loves. This doesn't mean that God's ways are evil or that he even condones sin, but he does work above the framework of our inabilities and our foibles. Rather than judging God's plans, 
Should we not rejoice over a God who can make the most broken of men a tool in the hands of a perfect God to accomplish deliverance for his stubborn people? We sometimes read the Bible with rose-colored glasses, don't we? Thinking that God only works through perfect men whose lives are not stained by rebellion or stubbornness or pride. But since we're all broken, if God is going to, if God doesn't use broken people to accomplish his purposes, how will they be executed? God's ways are higher than our ways. He is working tomorrow through the decisions of today, both good and bad. God is sovereign over our lives. And though we make decisions, sometimes even bad ones, God can accomplish his purposes through them. Now this doesn't get us off the hook or render us no longer accountable for our choices. God didn't make our choices. We did, of our own stubborn and willful volition. Make no mistake, we will face the consequences of those choices. But God is able, in his wisdom and strength, to make even foolish decisions accomplish his directives. Now this, this should give us comfort. It should provide us with confidence in God's power. And it should cause us to rejoice in a God who works with and through such sinners. God is not above using anything to accomplish his will, even tragic things. Think about the chaos in our world today as we speak. The pandemic, the fall of Afghanistan. God is powerful enough to use any and all tragedies to accomplish his perfect will. This should give us peace, confidence, and hope. And it should drive us to our knees, interceding that God would bring good from such tragedy. So God, as we close today, thank you for the story of Samson. As broken as this man was, you still used him for your glory. Thank you that you use broken people like Jacob and Rahab and Samson and me. Help me surrender to your will so that you can work through me, not despite me. I praise you for your wisdom and your strength. Use our lives and our decisions, both good and bad, to accomplish your directives. In your name, amen. Thanks for joining us today for the Read Your Bible podcast. For show notes to today's episode, please visit readyourbible.info. While you're there, you can listen to past episodes as well as access a host of additional resources designed to help you grow in your faith. It's all there for you at readyourbible.info. That's readyourbible.info. For more information about South Seminole Baptist Church, just go to southseminole.com. Join us again tomorrow as together we help you learn to read your Bible.